Welcome to Running It Back, Season 3. We're back again. I don't know how often we can say don't call it a comeback, but I would do it one more time. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah, for years. Tarlin Ray, how are you doing? It's actually been a little while since we... Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, man. Um, you only had to do the start of this twice, so stop giggling when you're trying to start the show. I'm doing fantastic. It's been a long time. At first, thank you to listeners who, instead of, you know, a text, you in text, I guess you don't have to say hello, but it just gets straight to the point, which is where's the pod? Yeah. <laughs> it's been you a gotta, minute. You got to get on with our side hustle yeah. and yeah. get the day jobs. It's been, uh, a, it's been uh, a minute. So appreciate you all, um, all you, all you listeners out there. I do want to give a big shout out to my youngest daughter who just turned 13. Mm-hmm yesterday which wow that's a big deal yeah two teenagers in the house shout out to my older daughter we celebrated her half birthday so she's fit over 15 and a half mm. and the reason i mentioned that brings me to my dmv story okay so everyone has it's an rmv registered motor vehicles in massachusetts department of motor vehicles in california i don't know what they call it in new york dmv oh they do yeah. all right I was, I was totally confused when I moved to Massachusetts and had to get a mass license. It was a moment I had to cry, but I got over it. Yeah. So you're already in a very vulnerable position because your little girl is going to be driving a car. Yeah. And yes, we have four or five straight Sundays gone to a abandoned parking lot and crushed cones. Yeah. <laughs> and watched as the brake has been slammed, but she's doing a great job. So then you're prepping so that she can get her permit. A lot of information that you need to have. Two forms to show, to verify the place of residence. I've read all the information to make sure she's ready. She's doing a lot of reading to make sure she preps for the test. Yeah. And in order to get the permit, I end up having to go with my daughter three times. Mm. Now, if you think about, I love, how helpful everyone is the MV, but you think about places to work. It is a very tough place. It is. It is. With a lot of process. Right. And there are two bits of information I want to share with everyone just in case they go through the struggles I went through. One, in order to sit down for the, the written tests, you have to sit for an online course or an in-person course. Mm -hmm. So imagine my daughter did 30 hours on vacation during the summer. She had a part-time job. Yeah. Getting through this course, the course is crazy. It literally has pictures, video of someone in a death situation saying, don't drive like this. She was laughing. Oh, Thank God. Stay away from railroad tracks. But my daughter has all the information. She's ready. We have an appointment. We get there and we've completed the online course and we have the email verifying. We walk up and they say, you have all the information. Where's the pink slip? Mm. That confirms you did the course. Mm. And I said, well, this is the confirmation. She completed it. They said, well, you also have to get a pink slip. So let's, ex let's think about this. It's an online course. Yeah. Online. Mm -hmm. You've completed the course, but then you must wait for someone to send you something in the mail mm. for you then to go to the DMV to complete the registration. Yeah. So I might've had some words to say about that. Wait, you're the same person who's always charming the, the flight crew. There's no way. There's no way around it. <laughs> I tried. And they kept looking at each other like, can we let them do it? Nothing. I had no juice. So then we go back the next day with no appointment. Ah, mm. 
never go to the DMV without an appointment. But there was no, the next appointment was three weeks away and my daughter was starting school. Yeah. We get to the line, snake line, and then we wait. B417. Yeah. G. None of it makes sense. The A's to the G's, the number yeah. never makes sense. You're just waiting. They should at least give us bingo cards. Please. And the lights in the DMV, it's the brightest lights I've ever seen in the DMV. Like that must draw, would have to drive workers crazy. Yeah. So then we get up all the paperwork. I'm like, this time I got the two, I have the two forms. We can do yeah. real ID. Here's the pink slip. Look yeah. how special it is. It's like the handwritten. Aww. I say, okay, great. You've got everything. But I'm sorry to say it's 435. Mm. And after 430, mm. you can't sit for the exam. Mm. Nowhere on their website. Mm-hmm. Nowhere anywhere in the DMV. You know where the sign is that says you cannot take tests after 430? Yeah. In the testing area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then <laughs> yeah. we have to go back the third day. Once again, forms. The, the guy who was helping us out on the second day said, you can take the picture, do everything. I promise you come back, you paid for everything. You come back, you take tests. So we hustled again, got there at 3.30. She got in at 4.17, took the test. She passed. Nice. He is now ready to take her, have someone take her on the road to road, te- so road test. Exactly. So I'm just saying two, two bits of information. One, online to online to offline is we, we still haven't figured it out. Yes. Take an online course. You should be able to get the verification, be able to get to the DMV. Mm-hmm. And two, they're horrible at providing information. Yeah. So that's it. That's the story. And I would say my, my one follow up there is this is why you should be on Twitter. If you were on Twitter, you would just be ripping off some high quality tweets for the rest of us to enjoy as you became increasingly infuriated by the DMV. Because by the time you're back here on this podcast, that anger has dissipated. Oh, I completely lost my composure. I, I, I want you to be rip, pulling out the thumbs, Tarlin, and just ripping off some. Some it's not their fault. Yeah, it's process. It was not. Yeah. The, this is it, you've it, already it, processed it, it. You've come to that conclusion at there, the time. I, I got through my stages, but at the time, I would. Yes, I might have been just a little heated yeah. to go three straight days, and my wife was in COVID quarantine at that uh. time. So there's a little bit going on. Oh my goodness. But we're back. Tiny violin. My yeah. daughter's going to drive. Everything will be good. Thank you. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. And, and we're back. And it's the fall. Everything's kicking off again, including this season. We're talking about kicking things off. That, to me, makes me think of football. There's a lot of activity in football. We're going to, we like to track the QB controversies. We've been tracking the NFL's blackhead coach problem for some time and also just the narratives around football are always really interesting you can always draw parallels between today and the past you can also draw parallels between what's happening in football and what's happening in our lives and our professional lives all those kinds of things we're going to get to that we're going to touch on some of the craziness in the nba we're going to do a bit of an around the horn today just to get our legs under us for season three. Many of these things. So you're saying we're going to be shallow today. We're not going deep. We're going to be spanning the globe. It's like a the wild world. Snackable, snackable moment. Snackable content. Yeah. Micro, micro learning, micro episodes. It'll be, it'll be amazing. We're, we're in the midst of it already. But beyond that, we'll talk NBA. We'll talk all this stuff. Before we get to any of that, Tarlin, we got to talk tennis. Because it's been so long 
since we last talked on this podcast. Arguably, two goats of tennis are evolving, are retiring. One's evolving, one's retiring. Are moving on. I know both of these sports athletes. Sports athletes? Both of these athletes. uh, Don't don't edit that. (laughs) It's like you never played a sport in your life. Those are these these sports athletes. (laughs) This is all gold. Both Serena Williams and Roger Federer have moved on from tennis, have announced that they're either moving on in the case of Serena. She said she's evolving. She just exited the U.S. Open recently, and that may have been her last match, although there's still some question whether she'll appear in the Australian Open or whether she'll still make an occasional appearance. And then Roger Federer, just recently, we're recording this a day or two after Federer's announcement, Thoughts on lessons learned from these luminaries? Well, I'm already a record saying that Serena is the GOAT. Uh, did not catch Margaret Court for the most all-time Grand Slam titles at 24. It's interesting. I, Margaret Court was in the news recently saying that Serena has no respect for me mm. and what, what I did. So we'll, we'll unpack that later. But hard to lose someone uh, that talented, that totally transcended the sport and changed the game from the what uh, women wore on the court to being able to express themselves, the rage, the anger, the, the fire, just it changed. And, and just the, the, the you could, you'd know it was a Serena match or really one if you just, if you hurt, yeah, <laughs> just, just the grunts. Although, uh, although Monica Sellis could grunt there are other legendary grunters out there. And I have heard, I think it was Mad Dog Russo was comparing Steffi Graf to Serena, which I thought was an interesting, mm. I guess she won 22, but it was interesting. I saw a graphic summarizing where Steffi was at the height of her powers, which had very little reference to Margaret Court. And she had fewer Grand Slam championships than Serena. But now in Serena's era, it's very much about pursuing Margaret Court. Yep. And it looks like she will, you know, because it is also in the open era. This is the open era distinction where Margaret Court was before the open era. Exactly. If you haven't read it, read Serena's Vogue article. I wanted to mention that not all our listeners are subscribers to Vogue like you are. So definitely uh, get the, out. the physical magazine. <laughs> exactly. Time, Newsweek, Vogue. Piled up. Eb- yeah. Ebony, they all, Black Enterprise, they're all, they're all here. <laughs> I carry them with me on my travels and always say, oh, I forgot to read my magazines. And Sports Illustrated, it will come. Of course. I have to, there's a moment in that February month time zone where yeah. swimsuit issue will come and I will have to like abscond it and yeah. like, sort of hide that. But anyway, and, and it also may be time to unsubscribe to your Columbia House CD. It's not, it's not a thing anymore. So the evolution, she says she's evolving. It's interesting as she talks about, she's making a choice. Now, father time, mother time, whatever you want to call it, but father time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. She's injured. She doesn't have, she doesn't have the same stamina and she's just had some ailments that she's dealt with. She put on an epic, it was, and it was an epic battle in the third round of mm-hmm. the U.S. Open. It's the longest match she's ever been in. 
And I caught myself in the middle of day or later in the afternoon, every, it was must-see TV mm-hmm. watching Serena battle. But as she battled in that third set, you could see she has, didn't have the legs, yeah. didn't have the same ump she had before, but she went out. I'd rather see her, unlike Fed, who just is fading to black. Yeah. Talk about Federer. I love seeing her battle one more time. Mm-hmm. But she says she is making a choice. Mm-hmm. She wants to have, have a family. She did call out. Um, unlike someone like Tom Brady, I have to make a choice because if I want to have a family, it's something that will impact me. I, yeah. I need to be the one to carry, carry the baby. And, mm-hmm. and for her, it's interesting in an arc. She's never been away from Olympia, her daughter for more than 24 hours. So she's a very hands-on yeah. mother, much like her mother was. So we lost, we're losing Serena, but in losing Serena, if no one saw moments of that of her last match which i think it's probably going to be her last match it's the way you want your champion to go out Mm. fighting to the end and it's not about always winning it's about the way they showed up in that last battle so i thought it was pretty epic yeah and and her evolution in addition to having another child you know assuming that's the route she takes it's also getting more involved on the investment side where yeah, which to me is why the evolution note I thought was a really interesting one. And it's another place where the percentage of women and black women who are leading investment funds is even smaller than the number of women and black women who were in tennis. 2% of invested capital went to women, which was what, what sparked her. She is invested in some unicorns like Masterclass and others. So they got a good track record. She's curious. She asks questions. And I'm assuming she'll apply herself and has into this world she's done in tennis. Yeah. Remember, she likes to say, those who watch King Richard, I didn't start off as a good player. It was Venus. Yeah. I can only see her with that same drive getting better. Yeah. But hail, hail to Serena, never seen... Most people probably say that in their own eras, we were in this golden age. So Serena and what she did and Federer, I mean, Federer was Tiger in tennis. Yeah. 2000 to 2004, those two guys, never, they've never seen a run like that and, and dominance. Federer has, you know, 20 grand slams, just now third. Like, ah, oh, he's not, he's not the greatest. 103 titles. So he's second place behind Jimmy Connors and he's third behind Joker and Nadal. Uh, on the doll being number one right now in Grand Slams. 1,251 single match wins. That's behind Jimmy Connors. Jimmy Connors was a beast. He played for a long time. Mm-hmm. Most consecutive weeks is number one, 237. So you have a laundry list, but you can say, oh yeah, but his winning percentage wasn't as big, great. And yes, being number one was fantastic. Most Wimbledon wins. But then you look at his head-to-head. He lost out of 50 matches to Joker. He won 23 and Joker won 27. And Joker has his number in the Grand Slams in the in, in the 2010s. And Nadal had his number. Uh, he's 16 wins for Fed and Nadal 24. Nadal had his number. Mm-hmm. So against the the big big three and Andy Murray's in there, he, he, he took his fair share of losses in some five-set beatings. But Fed was the dude. Yeah. The players who make it feel like you could play that sport because he wasn't super big. Yeah. He didn't seem like a physical freak. It was a guy who fairly, he didn't like lifting weights, but his reaction time was crazy. Mm -hmm. And he just glided on the court. 
And so it's just someone that even if you don't know the person, you just wanted to, you wanted to root for. Yeah. And even though I think Nadal and I love what Nadal's done, I have a, I have a running joke with someone in the office who loves tennis and all the doll fan. I said, doll, all he does is pull out his wedgie. Yeah. Another great player, but you can't, you just fed just is in a different stratosphere for me. And I just talking about this golden age, Serena, I'll put tiger in there and fed. Like I just, those are three athletes that in, in an individual sport that have done things that we just will never see again. Yeah. Yeah. Federer to, to me represents the kind of cool and poise that you need to be great, which is interesting when you contrast that with the fire of Serena and then Tiger is interesting because he does seem to blend the cool with the fire. If he could only get some earth and some wind in with this fire, oh my God. it is September, which is probably my favorite earth, wind and fire song, but also Federer is interesting in that he was highlighted as a contrast again to tiger his good friend in that he was raised in switzerland playing all different sorts of sports as opposed to tiger was focused pretty much exclusively on golf david epstein talks about the benefits of the range although the benefits of going to the range was something that tiger was demonstrating but federer showed the benefit to parents that raising your kid as a, a Roger, as opposed to over-specializing too soon. It's a great read. And that is one of the, the main threads that runs through there is, is really comparing and contrasting those two approaches. Before we leave tennis, concluding thoughts, there's a lot here and we're probably going to need to go back to many of these to do deeper dives. But I know this was probably the place where you did the most preparation. Is there anything more you want to one, talk one about? On the, one on the Fed comment range, I think the ship has sailed. They're the specialization in sports. And I talk to parents who have kids that are high school athletes. And it's, it's almost impossible for a kid. You have to be a special athlete to be able to not be committed in club teams and year round to be able to go from sport to sport. And then there's an expectation from your coaches. I also think that Fed was able to last as long as sport because he played other sports and didn't specialize early. So he just yeah. maintained the love. There are some young, talented players that are coming up, but we won't spend time talking about Tiafos and Alcaraz, but, and the youngest to be a number one and to win the U.S. Open. But I'm going to leave space for the old heads and let them, this is Serena and Fed's moment. And I was really committed and into tennis for a while because of those players. I'm wondering if the new crop can draw me back in in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the Tiafo versus Alcaraz semi brought me back to tennis more so than anything I've watched yep. in recent memory, maybe in the last 10, 15 years, it was really gripping. And, and then also Tiafo as the first black U.S. player, U.S. men to make it to the semis since Arthur Ashe made, made me want to run it back to Arthur Ashe because the stories of Arthur Ashe are really remarkable. And then to see Alcaraz, who it's really hard to find a historical corollary to him in terms of his speed and power and coverage of the court at 19. So we'll see where he winds up, you know, but he he's... Certainly the heir apparent, uh, perhaps with fewer wedgies 
the to uh the doll in terms of uh, spanish wedgies spanish tennis but uh but the interesting thing getting back to the federer and the range comment i i did catch some of the kansas city chiefs versus the san diego chargers on thursday night football this week and they were talking the the glitchy amazon glitchy, glitchy amazon when i was able to get the feed and i could just go back and forth to the Mets game, I had to actually go to a different app on the Roku. It was a whole production. So thanks, Jeff Jeff Bezos, for making my football viewing more confusing, although at least it was a good matchup. But during that matchup, they were talking about the fact that both Mahomes and Herbert were playing multiple sports yep. growing up, and that if you look at their athleticism, which isn't always something associated with a quarterback, see Tom Brady. It is interesting to see that this next generation is rising with some of that capability, especially when you're the quarterback, you know, when yep. you're the the leader on the team and when that position is is kind of mid-reinvention. We've covered a lot of quarterback controversies. There's plenty of them happening right now. We may come back to this to do a more of a football focus show. But anything jumping out at you? It's F1. I mean, we, yeah. we like to compare sports and think about work, business. The What's happening in San Francisco is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember when Patrick Mahomes came into the league, he was a number one pick. Alex Smith was the veteran in, in the spot. Andy Reid kept Patrick Mahomes on the bench. He played one game at the end of the season. And then they said bye-bye to Alex Smith. Basically, they were doing the same thing in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten them deep into the playoffs. So he's playoffs. Talking about playoffs. Yeah, he made so it to the he, Super Bowl. He's been, I was getting there, been to the Super Bowl. So he's not, he, he's a Brad Johnson. He's not going to, um, or Trent Dilfer. He's not going to jump off the page. He's a game, he's, game he's manager. Serviceful. And so they had done the same thing. Like Trey Lance is the heir apparent. Trey Lance got in some games and Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. And they, Garoppolo was gone. And then, whispers in camp, Trey's paying okay. And then all of a sudden, they re-sign Garoppolo. Yeah. So if you're in business, you often see CEOs, people who are rising to the top, and the CEO is going to, they're looking at succession planning. You have the two to three people that are going to make it. They pick one person, and then inevitably the second, the two people, other people who are vying, or one other person, like, we're going to go take our ball elsewhere. Yeah. So it happens. So I, I, it's fascinating to me to then bring that number two back in the shop because it just screams that they're a little worried about Trey Lance. Yeah. I've just never seen that. I've never seen, and maybe it didn't help that Garoppolo was hurt. So I had surgery. So yeah. he really was on the market. More teams would go after him. But I've never seen a team be able to bring someone back, then believe they can keep the quarterback room together and then make sure that your guy feels like he's being supported. So I'm watching that San Francisco mess. I'm curious if San Francisco's already owned one. Granted, they played in a rainy field in Chicago Bears Stadium, and so no one could throw the ball, no lot of turnovers. I'm really curious to see whether or not he makes it past six games. If they're two and four and scuffling, you're going to see Jimmy. Yeah. And that's amazing that to be able to think about that management, the team dynamics, and keeping your personnel together because I'm always thinking about how to culture and make sure everyone feels like they have agency and understand their responsibility. So 
that that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And I know we've talked a lot about generational stuff too. It does remind me of the Green Bay quarterback situation as well, where in that case, Aaron Rodgers was really perturbed by the fact that the team drafted Jordan Love to undermine, you will not undermine my authority. I am the quarterback of the Green Bay. Am I Foghorn Leghorn? I don't know what I'm doing. But but Aaron Rodgers, the dude, was not relaxing when he saw that they had drafted someone. And now it looks like he is holding on to the Iron Throne there. Whereas in the case of the succession planning, also shout out to Queen Elizabeth, who was a big listener. She never called. We never quite got her in on the show. But uh, but King King Charles, I'm looking at you. Where was I going with this? Succession planning in the case of Garoppolo. He's kind of a weak king to begin with. You need a successor. It is a little reminiscent of House of Dragons for those of you who are are watching, where if the leader is questionable, it's when you draft talent and you groom the talent, a la Mahomes, to become the, the leader, to become the quarterback become the QB one, as I like to say, but in the case of San Francisco, what if they have two QB one A's or two QB one B's? What if you don't really have Doesn't the, the transcendent bet, but do you still need to make a decision or is it better putting on more of the front office hat? Is it better to actually have the insurance policy in a league where players get hurt all the time? It's all just very clear that you're the number two and they're going to ride Trey Lance. They should ride Trey Lance and see what happens because he's only in his second year, really his first year as a starter. So it's great to have that insurance policy if someone gets hurt. And a lot of you, Herbert took a big hit on yeah. Thursday. Um, Dak's finger, he's already out. Might right. be on my fan, one of my fantasy teams and my super flex. So I'm not very happy with that. And someone beat me to the auction to get Cooper Rush because I thought the auction yeah. was on the waiver was on Thursday, but it was on Wednesday. But that, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. So, yes, you need to have that because it's a violent sport. But if you have two guys that are healthy, similar to Michigan Wolverine setup where Jim Hallward then called and pick his starting quarterback, it just creates a little chaos. You need to know who your leader is. That is your alpha. And then you will subordinate yourself and you're going to be holding clipboard to make sure Trey is best he can be. Mm. And if that's the conversation, have great. Mm. But if, but you have the guy just took you, the guy who took you to Super Bowl, that creates some chaos. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's also how much are you giving, giving the, the new player the chance to, chance to succeed, you know, which is another question around Trey Lance is interesting in that he didn't get a lot of, reps honestly even in college and played at south south dakota state not a lot of people saw him play there then made it to the nfl draft was drafted very highly by shanahan right that shanahan out yep, there my pick his pick yeah yeah and uh third pick i thought right no no we'll, we'll get, this, get our we'll get our get, our get our research staff there but um but then not necessarily given this vote of confidence and Garoppolo's fighting for a job in the same way, and he knows he can be a first-string quarterback. So it's also not like third uh, overall. Third overall. I told right. you it was third. You play back, play a tape. I said third. Third. Yeah, he was drafted third because we were also looking at blackhead quarterbacks. Do you do you think there's any kind of racial undertone here? It, no. It, no. No. Okay. And then returning back to the other quarterbacks we covered. 
Justin Fields had a tremendous slip and slide moment <laughs> in the torrential monsoon that hit. That was in Chicago too. I didn't even realize yeah, Chicago crazy, got that kind of crazy weather, weather. in We're the gonna, summer. One of and the things, and yeah, then Tua, and then Tua was the other one that we've talked about at least in terms of QB controversies. Any quick takes on, on any of the other quarterbacks that we've talked about? Also, feel free to talk Aaron Rodgers if it makes sense. Early. So we definitely will, halfway through the season, I want to come back to the quarterbacks. We were on record saying that Justin Fields is being overlooked and that he should have been drafted higher. Those listeners, and go back to that show. Tua, he is, as Tyreek Hill went over to that team, the Cheetah from the Kansas City Chiefs. He says he's one of the more accurate quarterbacks he's ever been with, more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of crazy. We got to give it time. Tua's 1-0. Justin Fields is 1-0. Aaron Rodgers is surly because he's got young receivers that are not running the routes he wants them to run. And at the end of the day, who are you going to believe? Multiple MVP winner and Aaron Rodgers, one of the highest completion percentages or some young receivers. So there's a lot going on. The Cowboys are going to be in trouble. They have no quarterback and no skilled players. And people were, the, the one thing to watch out for, people were in the, in the preseason saying that if you remember, Mahomes is just a street ball player. And we're not giving him any credit. It's fascinating to see what's going to happen in the NFL. My three fantasy teams for the first time in a long time started week one, three and oh. Nice. And we'll see where we go from there. And uh, I believe the Vikings may have won their season opener. I know you're trying to slow roll it because you don't want to undermine the juggernaut helmed by one Kirk Cousins. That is your team of record. I know the Giants are pretty much unstoppable after going for two to win the game. You play to win, to the, win game, the game, Brian Dable was saying. And he also was tearing into Daniel Jones, who's not the best representative of the quarterback position. <laughs> Hi, Daniel. You're not the best representative of the quarterback. <laughs> Who is my quarterback? You talk about my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Shout out to T.O. Another episode for us to revisit downstream. What else do we want to talk about? Quick hit on baseball, our Mets, and our Dodgers. Our really Dodgers, Dodgers, are, Dodgers are juggernaut. Congrats, yeah. congrats to the Mets. If you run it back to prior shows, I said they would not get over 500. Yeah. I'll, I'll eat crow now. Yeah. You have a really good team. Mm-hmm. And a high likelihood that if we do meet in the playoffs, the Mets have the arms to beat the Dodgers. Wow. They that. Yeah. But over 100 wins for the, for the season for the Dodgers. It's been fun to watch. I got to give it up to Dave Roberts, who for you know, six to seven years has kept the Dodgers as a dominant team winning that, winning that pennant. I'll see you in the playoffs. Let's playoffs. just keep it. Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it cordial. Playoffs? Like. Act like you've been there before, Knicks. Mets. Still, you don't, still, you don't I, know how to handle. I remember '86 like it was yesterday. You don't know how to handle winning. Just I'll teach you. Let's get to the playoffs, and I'll show you how to act. So that, right. that's that's our baseball cut. We got to give it up for Aaron Judge. All um, rise. Who's a monster? Reason to give up Aaron Judge? He bet on himself. He did not sign an agreement contract with the Yankees for a season. So I'm going to bet on myself, and now he is. 57 home runs in, but is he 20? He has a spread of 20 yeah, plus like, 20 over the nearest, closest home run hitter. Yeah, He's on pace to finally break 
the AL homer record of Roger, Roger Maris at 61. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of conversation around should there be, should he, if he gets to 62, 63, be the new home run? King answers, no, give me a break. People play in the eras they play in and records are records. You know, yeah. if you don't like on the fact that Sosa, McGuire, and allegedly Bonds were, were on, on the roids and the cream, you were watching and, and you were entertained. Are you entertained? So like shout out, shout out there. Uh, be fascinating to see that. We talked about someone betting on themselves and this will be, see my bridge. I'm going to bridge over to uh, the NBA and hammer my own team, but bet Aaron Judge betting on himself. You might remember a Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder, mm. the little, got the two dots. Yeah, over he's the, German, it, I believe. It's like an, is, um, it, is that an umlaut? Is it over the O or the E? Do you do it over, over the we'll, we'll go with the O. Uh, turned down a four or $84 million contract because Dennis was going to bet on himself. He has now signed multiple under $10 million contracts and just signed with the, the Lakers, going back to the Lakers for one year, $2.5 million. That is hard to see when someone has that much money thrown them and, and, it, and it doesn't work out. So that's when betting yourself goes wrong. Or right. Some people know keeping it real goes wrong. The exciting thing for us as Laker team is we just decided to collect a lot of point guards. We still have Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. I meant Westbrook. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to besmirch your name. Price to move, I believe. I believe he's... <laughs> Price to We did get Patrick Beverly. Never seen two people, two opponents hate each other more. Yeah. Patrick Beverly fell into Westbrook's leg. He missed multiple games. Little slight miss here. But hate each other more and now on the same team. And they're like, oh, no, no, let's bring back Dennis Schroeder to the team. Yeah. So we're a hot mess. Yeah. We are we are a hot mess. No, don't worry. We re-signed Braun for multiple years. We're hoping Bronny and Bryce will, will, will be ready in a few years and that'll be the Lakers. Just a bunch of Jameses, like the Antetokounmpo's. Antetokounmpo's. Yeah. So that that's my Laker cut. I, I bridged us to uh, betting on yourself. I'm yeah. In, now we're in the NBA, and where do you want to go because your Knicks lost Donovan Mitchell? What? <laughs> we t- it's not we lost him. We just didn't get him. He was never ours to have because our front office is terrible. But the Dolan's claim to fame is that they're not the Sarvers, and the Sarver decision has come down in the NBA. That's the other place that I did want to make sure we went to. We did... One of our most downloaded episodes is the one we did on Donald Sterling and the Quibi docuseries, Blackballed. There's now the Sarver decision has come in where a lot of what was investigated of the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, we did cover it when it was first dropping, thought something else was going on. It turns out a lot of, a lot of things were uncovered to the point where he's now been banned from the NBA for a year, but is that enough? A $10 million fine. Is that enough when you're talking about the level of toxicity that you have in his culture that is documented in this investigation, much like Dan Snyder and his Washington commanders scandals have also resulted in awareness of toxicity, awareness of culture problems but also no ability or a decision perhaps not to remove him from the league or remove his ownership stake, much like what happened with Donald Sterling. He was defrocked. He lost his ownership 
of he was forced to sell. You're forced to take this two over two billion dollars and go home. Yeah. Sorry, but it, it's yeah, so interesting oh, yeah. that there's player conduct everywhere. NBA, I still remember the NBA, they were worried about their image. This was in the Iverson era particular. And so they had a dress code because they were worried about the signal it was sending to their fan base. Mm -hmm. But Silver has, especially in the Donald Sterling era, was bull-throated about what Donald Sterling did and what he said on tape. And especially, you know, if invokes, you know, Magic's name during that tape, it, it's not going to go well. Yeah. That he wanted to figure, he was trying to figure out a way where that had the power to remove him as an owner. Mm -hmm. Ultimately he did it, but we know what happened. And if you listen to Blackball episode, it's interesting that, that Silver will say what Sarver did is indefensible. But yeah, he has a small slap on the wrist of his net worth, 1% of his net worth, a little 1% of his net worth. And okay, you can't play with your toy. And we said the Suns, but also the Mercury as well. So he owns, owns both teams. So it is with the year ban, this, the drumbeat, and we've already had NBA Players Association representatives. LeBron and others have come out to say we don't, he should never be back in the league. It's not going to, it's just going to be a long drama that's going to continue. And if he comes back to the league, it's interesting. If Chris Paul's still there, Chris Paul is the bridge to Donald Sterling, who was mm -hmm. dealing with that when he was on the Clippers. It's interesting. He's the owner of the Mercury, and we know what's going on with Griner mm -hmm. in Russia. So it's, it's all connected together. But that guy, there should be owner conduct. To say that I'm sorry when he's used the N-word multiple times, misogyny, and the way he's mistreated female employees. And to say part of the reason that even though over 300 interviews, 80,000 text messages, other things, that there really wasn't a smoking gun, something on tape. Is that what it needs to be? You just need to have something on tape. And then once you have it on tape and it goes on TMZ, that's the way you know, we can sort of dethrone we also know we had a former president that was on tape, but yet he still was able to maintain power even after some of the things he said about women. So yeah, we will come back to Sarver. This is not over. We more likely than not will be doing a show around Sarver, but also looking at other owners that were removed. If you remember Marge Schott, yeah. who was a known racist who called black players gorillas and said that things that Hitler did was okay, but near the end, it didn't, wasn't so good. And it was ultimately suspended for a year and ultimately removed. We, we, this is going down that path. But then you look at someone like Dan Snyder, who still is there yeah. and refused to change Redskins name, now the commanders. And, oh, no, no, there's nothing really going on with the, the cheerleaders of the Redskins. It's just there's, when there's smoke, there's fire. There's a blazing California summer fire over there. And it's now going gonna, gonna to spread to Arizona. So I'm, it's curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it does to me, oddly and sadly, harken back to Kyrie Irving sharing an Alex Jones video of the conspiracy of the elites, which is just bad. There's so many bad ideas coming out of Kyrie and the Nets as a dumpster fire that is still has a decent chance of winning the NBA championship this coming year. We'll have to see how all of that plays out. So much to cover in the NBA, but to me, it all does speak of how do you justly hold those who have money and power accountable is a, a real narrative that we've been trying to 
unpack here, understanding the history of protest. If you look at what got Donald Sterling out, among other things, was the players boycotting games or in addition to the ability to boycott games, they can protest, they can do things that we've been tracking on a number of different fronts, including, you know, what Colin Kaepernick did. It'll be interesting to see, especially if things stay status quo and you start to get close to when Sarver may be returning from his one-year ban, how will pressure be applied? What are the right tactics there? And how does that analogize to other questions around accountability and justice in our culture. Those are all things that, that I think we're going to want to get our heads wrapped around. In addition to all the craziness around just players moving and what's the next NBA season going to be like, we'll have to get into all that credit to us. that We made it this far without talking about the NBA. We tend to lead with the NBA. We got to it a little bit later on. I think as we close here, Tarlin, we did want to talk about golf, but it looks like I we might have more. a talk about, player, talk yeah. about player movement. I think yeah. we'll close with player movement. We see it in all sports, but you know it's unusual to see it in golf. Some of you, you're probably really excited to root for the aces, the niblicks, the punch, the fireballs, the stingers, and the HY flyers this week, as I know you're all tuning in to the imaginary league. $50 million team purse that is the live golf. Yeah. And so talk about player movement and justice. The live players are fighting for justice because they are no longer able to compete in the Ryder cup and the president's cup will not be able to, in the future, compete potentially in majors. And they feel like there's unfairly being, what's the word? Right? There it is. There is a P prosecuted personalized also prosecuted password is back by the way so so i would have gotten that one right <laughs> oh and shout out to wordle we everyone if uh, anyone got the wordle word yesterday uh, my whole team got blown up we we we, we no one got the wordle world i'm not on twitter but i thought i'm i would have i would have thought the world would have just breaking like fire. 100 plus sessions streaks. game streaks <laughs> but so live golf watching those players Cry me a river, you know, golf, but louder. That's if you go to their tagline, I went to their site for the first time. I'm looking at the teams and who they're playing. Really what live golf is, is Dustin Johnson's piggy bank. As mm -hmm. he has, has played well in most of the tournaments, he's going to probably walk away from this year with $20 million just in, on, on the playing in uh, four tournaments. But I, I definitely want to cover live golf later. How is this not the USFL? Yeah. How is this not the equivalent of, I don't know if you remember Slam Ball back mm -hmm. in the day, mm -hmm. which was uh, trampolines in front of basketball courts. So it just feels so gamified yeah. uh, for a sport. If you watch golf now in some of these tournaments, it is priceless golf. It is tension filled. And maybe there's not as much money, but, but I just can't imagine we ever care about these teams and anyone on these teams and the mm -hmm. team format. So I, I maybe I'm an old school, I'm old man on the porch saying, uh, get off my lawn, but I just don't see how this works other than great. You, you've created this mini tour that has a lot of money. Yeah. So I went in there. I promise to you, as I'm normally the one that says, I can't do it today. Yeah. As I'm exhausted from the week that we will give the fans what they want as, as my texts that have been coming in to give them, give us what we want. Right. And we went shallow today, but there are enough deep topics, whether it's Griner. We really want to talk about Jim's, 
Jim Thorpe, we talked about athletes in range that play multiple sports, talk about the guy who could do it all. And we got to, as we get through this golf season, we, I just want to unpack live compared to think about the USFL and think about the, the train wreck that is this, this Saudi league. Hot takes from Tarlin Ray, who normally tries to keep it cool. Those takes almost at an energy level that you might have at the DMV when you forget your pink slip. Yeah, the live will be interesting. LIV, I think we said that'll be episode 54 on the horizon. We're going to get our rundown of episodes, touching on a lot of what we talked about today in the coming weeks. Let us know what you think. Either text us or hit us up on Twitter at RunningItBackFM. We're also on the web at runningitback.fm lots of stuff on the horizon we'll be hopefully settling back into that every two weeks kind of cadence getting new episodes out to you we'll uh hopefully have some surprises along the way tarlin ray always a pleasure to join you on running it back may, may i be undefeated with my fantasy teams next time we talk all right there there is that I, i'm sure we all we all share that hope <laughs> and with that we'll bring this today's episode to a close, thanks as always for listening. This is Running It Back.